Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Anybody need a copy of the notes? Anybody think you're really spoiled? Uh (laughs) No. (laughs) You've got the notes, you've got the monitors. (laughs) You're blessed. Okay. (laughs) Amen. You are blessed. Oh, Father, we delight ourselves in your presence tonight. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for revelation knowledge to flow. And Father, we thank you for changing us by what we hear from glory to glory. That we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his precious blood and apprehended each of us. Be glorified in all that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked about the subject of calling things that be not as though they were. Kind of a tongue twister when you think about it. Not calling things that are as though they're not, calling things that are not as though they were. And so we'll see that in just a moment here, but it's kind of a tongue twister. This is lesson number two on that subject, but first a quick review in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Notice when God spoke about Abraham, he said, I have made thee. Before whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. God calls things that are not as though they were. And basically taught Abraham and Sarah to do the same. So this is a biblical principle that involves exalting things that are not seen above the things that are seen. And because we're so prone to living by what we see, sometimes we find that difficult to do. Calling things that are not as though they were. And the only way we can really, I believe, develop in that is by looking beyond this world pulling back the curtain and seeing that the unseen realm is greater than the seen realm. And there are things in that realm that can affect the things of this realm. Remember Paul said, well, we look not at things seen, but things that are not seen. These things that are seen are what? Temporal and subject to change. But what's not seen is eternal. You know, in a flash, we're going to be in that realm of the eternal. Not very long from now, praise God. Should Jesus tarry? We'll be here for a little bit longer, but if he comes like tomorrow morning, we're out of here, we're gone, and we're in that realm of the unseen. Praise God. What a wonderful time that'll be. Okay, then we said that there's a difference between calling things that are not as though they are or were and calling things that are as though they're not. God said, let there be light. He did not say there is no darkness. See the difference between the two? Let there be light. He didn't say it's not dark. Uh, the woman whose son dies said, all is well, even though he was dead. She did not say, my son's not dead. She said, all is well. If she would have said, my son's not dead, that's calling things that are as though they're not. But when she said, all is well, she was calling things that are not as though they are. And there's a distinct difference between the two. And then Elisha, when he was surrounded, he and his servant were surrounded by the army. He said, there's more to be with us than to be with them. He didn't say there's no one surrounding us. He didn't say there's no army out there. 
So it doesn't deny the reality of this world or the reality of circumstances. What it does is exalts the unseen powers of God above the seen things that are taking place in this life. God used this method to impart life to both Abraham and Sarah's bodies enabling them in a ripe old age to have a child. Now that defies nature, doesn't it? But you see, every time she called him Abraham, she called him the father of many nations. And Sarah, the mother of many. And they kept saying that for years to each other. And what happened was, it worked in their bodies to take these bodies that had really matured by this time and brought them back to a youthful state. Isn't that amazing? Well, God wants us to operate in the same principles. And also we stated the fact that by speaking the word like that, we set in motion a cycle of events that it can either lead to life or to death. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have life. What about you? I'd rather have life. Now as we continue our study, look at Matthew 13, verses 18 and 19. Jesus was teaching about the sower and the seed. Notice what he said here. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So what Jesus was talking about is a need for us to understand biblical principles. And really it goes beyond just understanding. They have to be perceived, understood in order to be effective. If we don't really understand the principles that we can get confused. And like I said, you can start calling things that are as though they're not. For example, you can say that I'm not sick when you're sick. The truth is you are. But when you start saying by stripes I'm healed, you're calling things that are not as though they are. And that was a do it releases a cycle of events in the spiritual realm, unseen realm of the spirit enabling God to move on our behalf to produce life. You could say like the, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body. And so you're calling things that are not as though they were which gives God the opportunity to move within our lives. So we have to understand in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 if we don't begin to understand these principles as Jesus said Satan will come and talk us out of them. Immediately will come the devil he'll talk you out of it. Oh, that's, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. But notice this verse. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. God's word is not something we just intellectually learn. We must spiritually discern it and perceive it. In other words, God needs to open up our spiritual eyes. We have to really have a longing desire to know the truth that makes us free. Going back to that parable, Matthew 13, verse 15, notice. Kingdom principles need to be seen from a spiritual perspective and discerned from a spiritual perspective, not just intellectually learned. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Listen, at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, should understand with their heart, and should be converted. Notice, and I should heal them. Notice the fourfold thing there. 
Hear with their ears, their spiritual ears. Take heed what you hear and how you hear it. Because the way you hear it will determine whether or not you say, I'm not sick. Or with his stripes I was healed. One sets in motion the things of the Spirit of God and the other one is just out operating in foolishness and presumption. So we need to hear correctly. Uh, also, we need to see correctly. They have eyes to see in the natural, but they can't see from a spiritual perspective. Remember how Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus? Open their eyes. Shouldn't that be our prayer? The cry of our heart. Open my eyes so I can see this biblical principle and understand how to walk in it. And then also, we must understand with the heart. With the heart, we understand these truths. And unless we understand them and truly perceive them, they won't be effective in our lives. But then notice the last thing he said was, and be converted. In other words, change the way we think. Change the way we believe. Start thinking the way God thinks. Believing the way God wants us to believe. Exalting his word above natural things. Circumstances. If you think about it, how in the world can three boys go into the middle of a burning fire furnace and not come out burned? Or even the smell of smoke. In the natural world, that's impossible. But is anything too hard for God? What's impossible with God? When a person truly believes from the heart, it takes them far beyond this law of sin and death. And enables them to ride above it in the law of life in Christ Jesus. And you know what? We've got a whole lot more than what they did back then. We've got the life of God. The nature of God. We've got the name of Jesus to use. Now, going to Mark's Gospel chapter 4. We won't take time to read through all this. But I want you to notice that when Jesus taught this parable of the sower and the seed, he talked about conditions of the heart. And there are four conditions of the heart that he revealed to us. First one is the heart that is hard. The heart that is hard receives the word by the wayside. Yeah, I heard that from somebody. Somebody said that. Or the person is not really that intent on developing spiritually. And so the heart is hardened and the person can't see it or understand it. Or it could be that someone else came along and just said that it was, let's say, foolishness, presumption, or even something like heresy or something like that. Because when people start hearing this kind of a message, right away they start thinking about name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. See, the devil has his tactics and strategies as well, doesn't he? And so what he does is presents these to what? See to it that the moment you hear it, he snatches it away. He takes it right away. Because the heart is so hard, it's never going to be planted in that heart. And it's never going to develop and become fruitful. So it's snatched away. But then secondly, he talked about the stony condition of the heart. And the stony one means this person is shallow. He is shallow in himself. See, there's no root there. Maybe you heard it and maybe you embraced it, but it's not something that you really took time to delve into for yourself, to study it, meditate it, and get it inside your heart. So it's shallow earth. It's stony. 
it takes off with enthusiasm or enthusiastically at the very beginning. But then he talked about when persecution comes or when affliction comes. You think the devil's just going to let you experience the fullness of what God has for you without any challenge you, you or me whatsoever? He's not. So the moment you start stepping out in faith and walking on the water, what happens? There's distractions out there. Persecution, affliction, and good and well-meaning people can come along and be used by him. For example, when Peter said, uh-uh, you're not going to die. And Jesus had to say, get thee behind me. You know, you're not thinking about the things of God. You're thinking about yourself. So in order for us to overcome that stony condition, notice, they had no root in themselves. We've got to get into the word for ourselves. We've got to see to we dig deep, embrace the truth, and then say, you know what, Lord? Your word is above your name. And so therefore, it has to work. I know it has to work. If there's anything that's stopping it from working, it can't be you. It has to be me. So help me to better understand it, to better see it, so I can walk in the light of it. Because I know you want to do so much more for me. Then the third condition, and this one we can all relate to, the thorny soil of the heart. And now this person is really involved in, according to Jesus, the cares of this life. The deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things. There are genuine cares and concerns that we have in this life that keep us busy. Have you noticed with all the modern things we have in this life, we still have less time to do the things that we need to do? Yeah. We're so preoccupied with all this stuff. And really when he talked about care, he's talking about the anxiety, the pressures, the worries, the concerns. I remember when we um, went to Italy, when I preached at the school there, I remember we went into town in Rome and all of a sudden at like what three o'clock all the stores closed everything shut down it was time for a siesta they kicked back relaxed went home and ate and they came back later like two three hours later and opened up their stores again just a laid-back atmosphere man not here it's like put your nose to the ground and just when your feet hit the floor they start running you're so involved with the cares and the concerns of this life that there's not enough time to develop these biblical principles. And then he said the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, if we could just have more money and have more, you know, before you know it, everybody's working. And then you're so preoccupied with your work. There's no time for each other. There's no time for your family. There's no time to get into the word of God and develop in the things of God. You see, it takes time. Seed has to be placed in a condition of the heart that is good, that's acceptable in order for it to grow. And so he said the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches always trying to make that extra dollar. And then thirdly, you know, the deceitfulness, a lust for other things. The lust for other things. He's talking about the pleasures of this life. And remember Paul said that in the last days people will be given over to entertainment. And we see that happening right now. My goodness, there's so many things out there for people to be entertained with. You see, when it comes to video games, cell phones, 
oh my goodness, what did we do without cell phones? How did we survive it? Can you even begin to imagine how you lived your life without a cell phone? You know, when you talk about really perceiving and understanding how things work, here's how you figure it out. Go get yourself, if you can find one, a rotary phone, ring into your house and tell your child to make a phone call. Don't look at that archaic thing and just go, what? What? Oh, go get some kind of phonograph and record player. <laughs> Pull out a, <laughs> a record. We're so accustomed to life today, we forget what it was like back when. By the way, have you found a payphone recently? Someone saw other like, what's that? <laughs> Remember when you could put a dime in and make a phone call? I thought it was like the 50 cents before they got rid of them. Yeah, there's so much that we have at our fingertips today that those things take priority over our lives. And instead of really taking the time, you know, we came out of the word movement, the word of faith movement, charismatic movement of the 70s. I got saved in 1976. We had in-house Bible studies. I'm telling you, we, we got our nose in this Bible and we just dug into it. So excited about studying it. You know, just couldn't wait to get into it, study it, learn truth, and then apply the principles to our lives. That was the Word of Faith movement. We really just loved the Word of Almighty God. Watch the Spirit of God move and manifest Himself in a powerful way in our midst. You know, and, and us, God wants us to be hungry for truth. He wants us to be so caught up in studying His Word that His Word, as David said in the Psalms, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. God wants us to meditate his word until it takes us over. Because man doesn't live by bread alone. But how? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, fourthly, he said the good soil. The good soil is found in all three gospels that record this parable. And to get the fullness of the light, you've got to glean some light from each gospel. We're told to understand it. We receive this word and understand it in Matthew. Uh, in Mark, we receive the word. Mark 4.20. He receives the word. I'm going to receive that. Whatever God said, I'm going to receive that as truth. And I'm going to do my best to align myself with what he said. But then thirdly in Luke, he said, they hear the word, and what happens is they protect it or keep it in their heart. Luke 8, 15. How? With patience. And with patience they produce fruit. Notice, with patience. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. So when the word is sown to the heart of a person, it can find the condition of the heart hard, stony, or just cluttered, thorny, or it could be good soil. Soil that understands the principle of sowing and reaping. You don't sow in, in May and reap at the end, say in the first week of June. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a person watering the word. It takes the sunlight, which I would call the sunlight of God's love, shining upon that word that's sown in the heart of a person. And you understand that you keep it there. 
You mull it over and just keep on meditating it and thinking about it and thinking about it over and over and over again. Saying it to yourself because what you're doing is you're bringing faith into your heart. You're actually training yourself in the word so it can become protected within your heart. Because when all this stuff comes from without, the persecution, the affliction, the cares, be anxious for nothing, the Bible said. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. And the deceitfulness riches, the lust for other things. You finally put a hold to it and just say, wait a minute, it's not worth it. I need to get back to where the word becomes the priority of my life. To where I begin to understand these biblical principles have got to be thought through thoroughly. And I've got to make them my own. I have to embrace it for myself. I'm not quoting brother so-and-so and saying, well, brother so-and-so said. No, what I'm saying is Jesus said. Jesus said, if I believe in my heart that what I say with my mouth will come to pass, I will have what I say. So I say I'm free. I say I'm delivered. I say I'm healed. I say I'm whole in the face of all opposition. Why? Because of the principle of calling things that be not as though they were. As a matter of fact, look at the connection between prayer, the prayer of faith, and that principle in Mark eleven twenty four. In Mark eleven twenty four, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Well, the therefore is there for a reason. And the therefore means because of what was just said. What was just said? In verse 23, he gave the law of faith. And he said, if you believe in your heart, notice from your heart, that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you will have what you say. So you've got to believe it from your heart. That's the law of faith. You can say to a mountain, be removed. Someone said, I tried that once. I tried that once. Doesn't work by trying it once. It works by schooling yourself, teaching yourself, training yourself, your inner man, to believe that what you're saying is possible. And it will come to pass because you believe it. I humorously said not too long ago, I've been speaking to that mountain over there off of, off of Route 376 when you get off by the mall exit. You notice it's almost gone now? Isn't it almost gone right now? If man can move a mountain with his machinery, Jesus is saying you can move a mountain with your tongue. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen? And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So you're going to eat the fruit of your words is what he's actually saying. Now in this verse, he's talking about the law of faith works by saying. So therefore, if you're praying and asking God to do something, like to help you what you're supposed to believe is that I asked for help I believe I received help therefore I call myself helped let's say you need strength father I'm asking you for strength I believe I receive strength now I call myself strong say I need healing I need healing father I need healing I believe I receive healing I ask for healing I believe I receive healing I call myself healed let's just say it's cancer I need healing of cancer from cancer. I ask for healing. I believe I receive healing. I call myself cancer free. Maybe it's arthritis. Healing from arth- uh, for arthritis. Lord, I believe I receive healing for arthritis. I call myself arthritis free. Let's say it's laryngitis. And I, I thank you for healing me of laryngitis. I believe I receive it and I call myself free. And that's applying this law of faith. It's how faith works. It's how we operate in faith. It's foreign to our way of thinking. You know in 1 Corinthians he also said this. 
He said, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. The things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. The things that are not are things that are unseen. And he calls those things to do what? To bring to nothing the things that are. So the things that we are facing in life can compare to the things that are not seen. Just like when Elisha said, there's more to be with us than to be with them. And he had God open up the eyes of his servant who saw around all the army of the Syrians, the Syrian army, saw all the angels and chariots of fire. Wouldn't that be a sight to behold and a sight to see? You know, and we could get excited about that and just think, oh, what a wonderful thing. They're all around us right here. You better watch, you might be sitting on your angel's lap, not even knowing it. They're here. But you see, it's believing it and declaring it and proclaiming it. I remember when I saw my angel over there on Route 11. All I said was, thank you, Father. I know there's angels loose to minister for me because I'm an heir of salvation. And I thank you that they're helping, doing our bidding. And I thank you that they're working and ministering. It was in a snowstorm. Praise God on the way back. I saw my angel, drove through him. He was waving in the middle of a highway, four-lane highway, with a star, like a cat on his head, scarf around his neck. Very tall fellow, one hand on the hood of the car, and the other hand just waving to me, just like that. No one else in their right mind would be on Route 11 at midnight in a snowstorm where you couldn't see in front of your car. And then I realized it was my angel. See, spiritual things are real and legitimate. Now, in that verse, he also said, whatever you desire when you pray, whatever you desire, what do you desire? What is our desire? If I desire healing, if I desire strength, if I desire help, my desire has got to be in line with the will of God. First John 5, 14, 15 tell us this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have. Notice we know we have. What do we have? The petitions that we desired of him. So if our desire lines up with the will of God and the way we find that out by, is by going right to the Bible. We can ask him according to his will. And if we ask him according to his will, he hears us. And if I know he heard me, then I know I have it. So if I know I have it, I can then start calling things that be not as though they were. I asked you for strength. I believe you heard me. That means I know I have strength. I know you are the strength of my life and I call myself strong. Hallelujah. Then point number four. I love this section of scripture here in, in Psalm 37 and, and verse five. Notice commit trust and let God perform. Commit trust and let God perform. Daniel committed, trusted, and watched God perform, shutting the mouth of lions. Commit thy way to the Lord, number one. Trust number two in him. And he, number three, shall perform it or bring it to pass. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you throw us into that furnace, the God we serve can and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. He will. You don't throw us in, we're not worshiping your God. They committed their way. To commit means to consign. In other words, I turn it over to another. Think about that statement. If I have something that needs to be done in the office, and I ask Chuck to do it, I consider it done. And if you know Chuck, then you know it's done. 
Sometimes I think it's done before you ask. But that's just his nature. That's the way he is. And I can be so confident that if I asked something, I don't even have to check up and see whether or not it got done. One time I think I did ask him. I said, did you by any chance? Uh, do? He said, did you ask me? Oh, I said, oh, that's right. If I asked you, it's done. Well, if I can have that kind of confidence in a coworker, how much more should we know the character of our father? See, when you talk about consignment and you're giving something to somebody else to take care of on your, for you, you should trust the person. Would you not say you should? When you take your money to a bank, do you trust that they're doing the right thing with it? So when it comes to the trusting part, uh, to trust actually means that you rely upon, on another person's character, uh, their integrity, their ability, and their power to get the job done. So when you say, Lord, I'm taking this concern of mine, and I'm going to cast it on you. I'm going to consign it to you. I'm putting it in your hands. You can take care of it for me. And so I trust in your integrity, your character, your ability, and your power. And so I'm doing the first two things. I commit or I consign my situation to you. I'm now trusting in you. And I think one of the most powerful statements I can make about that is what I just said about walking into a bank with your paycheck. And then you walk out. You gave it all over to that clerk and you believe when you walked out that it was handled correctly. So much so, you probably don't even have a thought that comes to your mind. Are they really going to take care of my money? Did you ever go home and just call them on the phone and just say, by the way, the check that I cashed, and you, did you really put it in my bank account? Or somebody else's? Did you ever write a check and just say, uh, call the bank the next day and say, I wrote a check out, are you really going to make good that check? Anybody ever do that? Or do you unconsciously walk in and unconsciously walk out? Isn't that what you do? Absolutely. That's called trust. You trust in the integrity of the bank, your banking institution. How much more should we trust a God who has never lied, who show himself faithful, whose promises are always kept. See, when the Bible tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, we do so with a pure heart and true, true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. We've got this faith in him. And then he says, hold fast your confession of faith without wavering because faithful is he who promised. He makes the promise. We trust him to fulfill it. So our part is to commit our way to him. Second part is to trust that he's at work, bleeding in his integrity. And then thirdly, the third point is what? He will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. We're not supposed to even think about his part. We're not to consider his part. Will God do his part if we do our part? Absolutely. So I trust my situation to you. Father, I commit it to you. I trust it to you. And now all I'm going to do is call things that be not as though they were. Hey, by the way, how's that situation? Oh, it's in great hands. God's at work. I call it done. I call it done. You see, you're calling it done. Just as God called 
Abraham, the father of many nations, for what, 20 some years? 25 years? For 25 years, I have made thee a father of many nations. So, we're trusting God to be a God of integrity, who will honor his word. But then also, notice point five. There is a time lapse. And here is where the confusion really sets in. There's a time lapse. Why? Because we live in an instant society. We want it now. Number one. Secondly, we want it our way. Right? Now and our way. This is how it has to be for us. But notice in Genesis chapter 13, verse 16, the time lapse. What do we do during the time lapse? Hear God speaking and he says, I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. Notice the word dust. So that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then so shall thy seed also be numbered. Then look at Genesis 15 and verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. He gave them vision. Keep your eyes on the stars and keep your eyes on the dust. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible to count all the dust that there is in the earth? Is it possible to count all the stars that are out there in the galaxy? Both of them are impossibilities. But he says, but I want you to see, I'm not telling you I'm going to give you a child. I'm telling you, your seed, your offspring, natural and spiritual put together, go beyond the number of stars in the sky and beyond the, the dust. I believe since, you know, he was a, a at the beginning, I think, Abraham, Abram's life, he was a moon worshiper. So he related to him by saying, be that visionary. But when you look up there now, look at all the stars, call them my seed. Wow, my offspring. But then he also understood he needed to get Sarah involved, so he talked about dust. You know, women dust a lot. The dust of the earth. You've seen it. The beam of the sun comes into your house. And all, the, all of a sudden you just cleaned everything up and there's dust flying. You go, oh, this is terrible. Try to capture it with your sweeper or something. I don't know, but you just can't get rid of it. Imagine all that dust. So he tells her, keep your eyes on the dust. So shall thy seed be. He's a visionary. He wanted to make them visionaries. He wanted to give them something visual to look at. Don't look at the impossibility of it. Look at the magnitude of the greatness of God that you serve and keep your eyes on that. Because you see, to us, our situation seems impossible. But not to God. So get your eyes and look beyond what you see. And then finally, in Genesis chapter 22, this was after he offered up Isaac, he gives him another reference. That in blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. Now we've got sand. Can you Google that and see how much sand there is along the seashore? Can, you, can we discover, find out how much sand there is in the world? On the seashore? In the ocean? At the ocean bottom? It's incomprehensible. God takes us to, to places like, it's mind-boggling. It's beyond our comprehension. But, 
he also invites us to engage in the process of calling things that be not as though they were so the miraculous can take place in our lives. But it's up to us to cooperate with God. We've got to see beyond the impossibilities of the natural world that we live in. You know, you think about even medical science. When you're given up, there is nothing that can be done unless that professional is a Christian who believes in God's miracle power, that person concludes your situation is impossible. As we were told, we can't make you a left pulmonary artery for your son. That is impossible. We can't do it. Okay. And all I said was, do what you have to do. We believe. It was almost an insult to say that. You see, you've got to believe beyond what man can think and what man can do. We've got to believe beyond this natural world that we live in. Nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to him that believeth. Come to church here. We want to learn how to tap into the power of God. Not just here and be religious. Tap into the awesome, miracle, working power of the living God. And how do we do that? Start calling some things that be not as though they were. Based on the word of God, the will of God, either revealed in scripture or revealed by the spirit. And if we'll do that, then we will unleash and set in motion a cycle of events that will cause the unseen realm to affect change in the seen realm. You recall my story of... Um, I didn't know anything about believing God for finances. I knew about healing, but I didn't know about finances. When I was at school and, and when, I mean, I was down to $2 left. Had to pay my rent, $200. It was Sunday by Thursday. And I'm like, okay. One thing, you know, it's, it's wonderful to know that you have a little bit of leverage with God. Isn't that good to know? You say, what do you mean by that? God told me to go to Tulsa. If he told me to go there, He's the author of my faith. If he's the author of my faith, he's got to be the finisher of my faith, which means he has to provide my needs because I'm there on his business, not mine. Trust me. I gave it all up. Let's go to be where you want me to be. So it's up to him to provide for my need. So I said, Lord, you know, I, I got to pay my rent. I have two bucks left to my name, period. Can't do it with two bucks. So I'm playing with my daughter in the in the courtyard of the uh, apartment complex where we're living. And as we're throwing the ball back and forth, all of a sudden I hear in my spirit, you've got to believe you received those, that $200 before you can have it. Just like you do with healing. And that just went on like a light bulb. And I said, what? You've got to believe you receive it before you'll have it. Just like you do with healing. Like a light bulb, like I said, it went on. I just said, oh, I see it now. Okay, uh, uh, Father, I'm asking you for $200 to pay my rent. Sometimes I want to kick myself. Why don't I ask for three? A little bit extra. <laughs> I believe I received $200. I'm asking you for $200. I believe I received $200. And what was the third step? Call things that be not as though they were. Right? Now, I didn't really know that principle per se. I wasn't taught that principle at that point in my life even though I was at a faith school. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. 
Isn't that wonderful to know the Holy Ghost will teach you? So, so there I was, and I just said, I'm asking you for it. I believe I receive it like your word says, and I'm thanking you that I have it. Do I see it? No, but I'm thanking him that I have it. Calling things that be not as though they were. I thank you for my 200 bucks. I thank you that I can pay my rent. Went off to school the next morning, came back home, and as I was coming back home, walking by the mailbox, I heard another voice say, you better look in there and see if your money's there. Notice if is the badge of doubt. If to distinguish between what's God not God doesn't take much. Satan's full of doubt and unbelief. And so there I was. And I said, I stopped for just a moment to turn. I went, nah, you're not going to trick me on that one. I believe I receive it. I believe I have it. In case you're blind as well as dumb devil. Here, can't you see it? I've already got it. See, I'm operating in calling things that be not as though they were. Before even learning the principle. Led by the Holy Ghost. I've already got it. I've already got it. I thank God that I have it. Thank God. This went on from Sunday to Thursday. It was due on Thursday. And Thursday when the mail came, I did the same thing. I did it every single day. I'll look at my mail when I want to. You're not going to pressure me to look at my mail. Besides, I've already got it. Why would I be looking for something I already have? Let that sink in. Why would I be looking for something I already have? I already have it. If I already have my healing, what, what does the symptom matter? I believe I received my healing and I have it now, so it doesn't matter. I'm calling things that be not as though they were. So I walk into, after I came home, had a little bit of lunch after school, 8 to 12 was school, had to go to work by 2, worked the afternoon shift. So I had my lunch and I came back out and I says, now I'll get my mail. Open it up. And a letter from some unsuspecting person, I would never suspect that this person would do this. In that letter, it starts with, I don't know why we're doing this, but God by his spirit inspired us last Sunday when I prayed to send you this check for $200 to use it in whatever way you need to. Now isn't that something? When you think about that, isn't that something? That tells me that God heard. I know he heard. I knew it. And I can say I have it before I ever see it. I'm trusting in the integrity of a God who said you've got to do it that way. And guess what? God came through. Isn't that something? God came through. Oh my. God actually came through. How can we doubt that whether or not God would come, come through? But too often we do. So in con- conclusion, when Jesus taught us this law in prayer of faith, he revealed to each and every believer his or her potential to participate. Notice this, in demonstrating power that goes beyond human scope. Oh, what a privilege you and I have. Calling things that be not as though they were is operating in genuine biblical faith and through faith ordinary individuals did extraordinary things. We're not going to look at these scriptures. I wrote them there for you. Just look up for yourself. But notice, Joshua spoke. How about this one? And the sun stood still. Whoa. Whoa. Say that again. Joshua spoke. And the sun stood still. Until they won the victory. Isn't that amazing? And then also, uh, Isaiah spoke, not to be, you know, done up. And the shadow on the sundown went back. It's one thing to stop the solar system in its tracks, it's another thing to turn it back. Remember the story of Isaiah and Hezekiah? Remember? Well, how do I know you'll give me more years of life? 
Well, what would you want God to do? Have the, have the shadow on the sundial go ahead or back? He said, what is it for God to make it go ahead? That's the natural course of things. But you know what? How about having it go back? Is God the God of the solar system? See how mind-boggling this is? We're talking about stepping into and operating into a power that goes beyond human scope. And we have the potential, all of us. Speak to your mountain. I'm not telling you to go out there and start saying, sun stop, moon stop, earth stop. No. But I am saying, devils stop, disease stop, whining stop, complaining stop, attitude stop, bitterness stop. I approach you, get out. I call myself victorious. I call myself delivered. I call myself set free. Start using words of faith that will turn your life around, your situation around for good. And then also the three Hebrew boys, we talked about them, they defied fire. You talk about power beyond human scope. They didn't even smell like smoke. You can't sit around a campfire without smelling like smoke. But they weren't even singed. Sometimes lighting a birthday candle on a cake, you singe a hair on your finger. They're in a hot furnace that killed the men that took them and threw them in. And they didn't even smell like smoke. Why? Because they spoke and they said, you throw us in, our God will. Is that trusting in his integrity? Is that trusting in his character? Oh my goodness, you talk about getting to a place like they were in, to where they had to trust God like that? And God honored that kind of faith because he honored their commitment to his cause. They would not bow. They would not bow their knee to worship a false god. They would not bend their knee to worship a false god. And because they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't burn either. Because God said, I'll be in that fiery furnace with you. Boy, embrace that truth. I'm in there with you. You know what? You know being in trouble is a good place to be in? He says, I'll be with you in trouble. So if you're in trouble, he's with you in trouble. You're not alone. I'll be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and I will honor you and hold you in high esteem. Hallelujah. That's what he said he would do. And then Caleb spoke to his mountain. 85 years old. This day I'm 85 years old. As I was then, so am I now. Give me my mountain. You know that meant he had to go to war? Take the mountain. I can just see, envision this, and just see God going before him, confounding the enemy, and everybody just running in fear from one 85-year-old mature individual just going there with his shield of faith. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? To see, to envision, to know. What a God we serve. And then David. <laughs> David, just, oh my goodness, David. We love you, David. I love this about David. He watches his father's sheep during the night. And what does he do? In a place of peace and contentment. He's meditating the word as he said, I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. He's thinking about the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the ability of God. And all of a sudden, he has this thought. Here I am, a shepherd over the sheep. I love these sheep. I'm not a hireling. These are my father's sheep. 
I'm here to lay down my life for these sheep. So I'm going to watch over them best I can. And so God, you know what? You are my shepherd. I'm the shepherd of the sheep, but you're my shepherd. He's inspired. I shall not want. Man, you make me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. And he goes on to 23rd Psalm. And all of a sudden comes a lion. Takes one of the little sh- lambs out of the flock. And takes off. What's a lion weigh? 600 pounds? Maybe more? So what is he, this 15-year-old boy who knew how old, he might have been 14 at the time, I don't know. He takes off after the lion. Because you see, he's not concerned. He's responsible for the lamb. But God is responsible for him. Think about that. He's responsible for that little sheep, that little lamb. But he knows, you're my shepherd. So if I'm committed that much to go save that little lamb, I know you're committed to save me. And when the lion turned, he caught him by the beard and smote him. And when the bear did the same thing, he did the same thing. Got him by the beard and smote him. How big is a bear? How strong is a bear? The claws of a bear. How quickly can a bear just completely destroy a a human being? But then he faced Goliath. And when he faced Goliath, you see when it talks about having experience in God, how important it is. And when Saul said to him, you can't do this, he said, oh, king, the lion and the bear, and now this giant is nothing. The God I serve. You see, everybody in that army had the same potential to demonstrate this power that goes beyond human scope and bring down this giant who defied the army of the living God. But none of them meditated the word enough to know the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's got my back. His glory is my rear guard. I'll go before him and the shield of righteousness will go before me. You see, David knew his God. Daniel knew his God and they did great exploits. God wants us to be so in tune with him and his word and also his integrity, his character, his love for us. He wants us to know that he's there to be our shepherd and that he will deliver us and that he will uphold us with his right hand. And in that time of trouble, beneath us are his everlasting arms. He'll walk with us through the fire doesn't matter what the situation might be that we could trust him believe in him to the degree that we start saying things that are not as though they are you can't bring me down because you see God's on my side and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world now that was them what about us what will we do with the life of God that's in us you ready for this verse you know it Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 now in the hymn that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think in other words whatever potential we have to ask whatever potential we have to think he can do for us way beyond this ability that we have to envision anything that could be done for us in this life how? 
according to the power that's efficiently operative in us. Rather than looking out there, we need to start realizing who's in here. Greater is he that's in me. You're greater in me, Father. I'm releasing your power and your ability because I know your integrity. And I'm thanking you for moving on my behalf to do the impossible. Because with you, nothing is impossible. And with those who believe, nothing is impossible. So start calling some things that be not as though they were. So in other words, instead of creating mountains, start speaking to the mountain and reducing them down to size. You got a mountain of debt out there? Start speaking to it. I call you, I call you paid. We've been speaking to this facility. We call it paid and we know it's paid. We thank God it's paid for. You agree, right? We see it done. We call it done. And what does God do? He just continues working, bringing in the resources and all that. So this principle, I believe, is impacting. It's absolutely necessary to understand. It's important to walk in it so that we can allow God to be unleashed. So that we can set in motion a circle of events that will enable His power to be operative in our lives. To do what? Far beyond all we can ask or think. So let's cooperate with God. And do what he said. Amen. Let's start calling some things that be not as though they are. Though they were. So they can become realities in our lives. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I opened the door of my heart I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.